Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another episode of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are at episode nine of season three. I want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. We got a great show. This is going to be the Super Bowl special. Everybody has been waiting for to see what we got to talk about with these two teams in Super Bowl 58. Before we get started, though, I want to apologize for last week's technical difficulties. I appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we got those all cleaned up, but you can still subscribe, like, share, and follow the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are on multiple platforms, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are on over 10 audio sites, and that's thanks to you guys. So you can always check out the audio if you don't catch the video live on Wednesday nights. All right? Thank you guys for tuning in. So let's get into it. Before we get into the segments, as always, we got the quick news for you. So we're going to go with ladies first. All right. With women's college basketball, we are on a Caitlin Clark watch. All right. The guard from Iowa. She is less than 100 points away from passing Kelsey Plum as the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. She burst on the scene last year, but obviously she's put together a body of work in four years that is going to have her surpass a record that I didn't think would be passed this soon, to be honest. I remember, and I'm dating myself, I remember when uh, Jackie Styles at Southwest Missouri State was the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball, and now Kelsey Plum from Washington, and now Caitlin Clark's about to surpass that here in a few games. Um, Caitlin Clark might be the best basketball player I've seen since Diana Taurasi in college. I mean, she can do she can do it all with the basketball. Like, she's a wizard with the ball. She can shoot from anywhere. Like, she plays like a dog. She's tough. I like her game. She's got some swag to her. Like, she's fun to watch. And that's good for the women's game. It's good for basketball as a whole to see women be proud to, you know, have that dog mentality and go out and compete, you know, and you can put them in the same conversation with men's basketball when they play at that level. So congrats to her. I think she's going to break the record next Thursday. They got Michigan at home. I think she does it in front of the home fans. Like I said, less than 100 points to go. I think probably three, four games up to that Michigan game. I think she does it. She averages over 30 a game. So just simple math. But I think they'll do it in a special conference game at home in Iowa. So We'll keep track of that for you. And maybe next episode, we'll be celebrating. So we'll see. All right. On to the NBA. Quick news. Joel Embiid is going to miss some time. Uh, He had a procedure on the meniscus. If you watched the game a couple weeks ago uh, against Golden State, Jonathan Kaminga fell on his knee. Didn't think it was going to be that bad. It turns out it was. Maybe already had some things going on with that knee, and that just kind of put the nail in the coffin. But he's going to miss some games. So what does this mean, right? The league has put together this rule now. If you don't play 65 games, you're ineligible for any of these awards, MVP, All-NBA, things like that. They're going to have to tweak this rule because of this freak accident, right? What if Joel Embiid plays 63 games? His numbers are better than they were last year when he won MVP. It's the same ingredients that the Joker had when he won back-to-back MVPs. His 
Second year was better than his first. Same with Giannis. And Joel was on the same trajectory, right? So if he misses, if he plays less than 65 games, he's ineligible to win MVP or be an all-NBA player. I think it's kind of crazy. So what did NBA do? He's expected to miss at least a month. And he's already missed like 12 games. So in a month's time, he could miss another 12, 13 games. So that puts you at 24, 25 games out. All my mathematicians do that. You take that away from 82. We're getting pretty close, right? So I just feel like when you are playing as great as he was and injury is what's holding you back from getting awards, maybe he doesn't get an MVP award, right? Because he missed time. But to not put him on an all-NBA team because he got hurt is kind of crazy. So I think they're going to have to tweak that rule a little bit, and we'll see what happens with that. But in, in my eyes, Joel was the MVP already. We had the midseason awards last week. We talked about it. And Embiid is head and shoulders above everybody as an MVP. So we'll see. Get well soon, JoJo, and uh, hopefully you come back and dominate. Then last for quick news, we got NFL. Cliff Kingsbury is the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, all right? This is low-key big news. And I say that because of where Cliff Kingsbury came from at USC. He was the quarterback's coach for a guy by the name of Caleb Williams, who is projected to be the number one overall pick, right? The Washington Commanders have the number two pick, and they bring in Cliff Kingsbury. So where there's smoke, there's fire usually. And that's what will get me to segue into this. Should the Bears trade the number one pick to the Washington Commanders, right? Let's look at all the factors of what we have with these two teams. Obviously, the Bears have the number one overall pick from Carolina. Appreciate y'all for playing the way you played this year, for giving us that pick. Give us all the leverage in the world. And then the Commanders are number two. All right. So, again, let's look at all the factors of this. They get Cliff Kingsbury from USC. He was Caleb Williams' quarterback coach. Caleb Williams is projected to be the number one pick. He is the biggest draft prospect since Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck. Like, these are the names that he's kind of being talked around. He's born and raised in D.C., local kid, right? You go there, you're comfortable with the coordinator, the quarterback coach, now coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury, who was in his own right an NFL coach for the Arizona Cardinals for some time. And he's coached a number one draft pick quarterback, Kyler Murray, before. So there's experience there as well. Um, the commanders have new ownership. So new ownership is always looking to make a splash, always looking to put their mark on a franchise. And what better way to do it than getting the number one overall pick and the most talented prospect in the last few years in Caleb Williams. There's that. Then Magic Johnson is one of the people in the ownership group who's been in L.A. for 40 years, right? Might as well say he's from L.A. I'm pretty sure he's seen one or two USC games and seen Caleb Williams play, right? So I don't believe in coincidence, but all this is starting to add up to a team, a franchise looking to make a splash in D.C., getting the local kid, almost like a LeBron James feel, how the Cavs got LeBron coming from Akron. You get a D.C. kid, quarterback, you need a quarterback, boom, we're at number two. 
what do we need to do to get this number one pick? So to answer the question, should the Bears trade that pick? My answer is absolutely yes. All right. And this is what should happen. First of all, the Bears have already answered the questions of will Justin Fields stick around? I believe they've already answered those questions. Why do you say that, Jay? They fired Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, and kept Matt Eberflus. So usually when an organization fires a coordinator and keeps a coach, they're telling you, you have one more chance to make this right. And also, it's not the quarterback's fault, right? We're just going to give him another year to try to get this figured out with the coach, or you both will be sent packing. Now, if the Bears didn't want Justin Fields to stay with the number one overall pick, they knew they had it. Why wouldn't you fire Eberflus, get a new coach, and then let that new coach draft his guy, right? So that's why I think Justin Fields stays. It's just kind of weird if you keep Eberflus and fire Justin or and let go Justin Fields. Doesn't make much sense. So I think Fields stays. Now, if we're giving up this number one pick, we want a King's Ransom <laughs> from the Commanders, right? If you want this number one pick, this is what you got to give us. And I'm saying us because I'm a Bears fan, right? You see the, the, the bear down oozing out. So you got to give us this. Let's swap these picks, right? We want two for one. We want our second round pick back because we gave them a second round pick for Montez Sweat this past season, which was a great pickup, by the way. Shout out to Montez. We want that pick back, though. That pick's going to be lower than their two because we had a better record, so they, they can keep their number two pick. It's higher. But we want our two pick back, or our second round pick back, I apologize. And then we don't have a six-round pick or a seven-round pick in this draft. So either give us a six or seven this year or give us a six or seven next year for our number one pick. So let's look at the menu. We want to swap picks. We want our second round pick back and we want a six or seven this year, next year. And then you can get the number one pick. But that's what we're looking to get if you want ours, right? And what the Bears can do with that, now we can get Marvin Harrison at two to pair with DJ Moore. And oh, by the way, we still have another top 10 pick. We got the number nine pick too. So now we can go get that boy from Alabama, the offensive tackle. I think his name, uh, J.C. Latham. So go get him at nine. We get our, we get a double two or our second round pick back. And then we just ride on out. So that'll give us six picks in the draft again. And with what, Ryan Poles did last year was a great step in the right direction. We got that other offensive lineman from Tennessee. He's got a year under his belt. He's going to be seasoned. And now you bring in J.C. Latham, sure up that offensive line with Justin Fields. And we see what we can do. But that's what I'm doing. If you're not giving me your two and your second and another pick, you can't have my number one pick. I feel like the commanders are – the commanders don't really have – a leg to stand on. They want Caleb Williams. Everybody knows they want Caleb Williams. That's why they made the hire to get Kingsbury there. And I believe that's what we are going to see happen. I'm looking forward to the draft this year to see what the Bears do. See if Ryan Poles can have two great drafts in a row as our GM. We'll see what happens with that. But you guys let me know what you think. Should the Bears trade this number one pick to Washington? And what should they get for it? 
You can always comment. We always reply to live chat comments. You guys let me know what you think. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. We are on all the platforms and all the audio. So let me know, what should the Bears do with this number one pick? Should they take Caleb Williams or should they trade back, get Marvin Harrison and keep rolling with Justin Fields for one more year? Y'all let me know, all right? When we come back, we are diving into the NFL and we're going to start with a bet that more or less. This is going to be a special bet that. You guys are not going to want to miss this. We'll be right back with the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back. I told you, we are quick into these segments. This is an exciting episode. I'm glad y'all can tune in. Be sure to like, share, subscribe on all the platforms. Definitely subscribe on YouTube. You will get the notifications that the show is on live. You'll also see all the shorts. You'll see all of the things off of the episode and all the exclusive content. And also, if you can't ever catch the video live on Wednesday nights, you can always catch the audio. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Now we're on Samsung Podcasts. We're even on Pandora. So if you got a Pandora account, you can find the X Factor Sports Podcast there as well. So check us out, man. We're growing. And it's because of you guys. So thank you for helping us grow. All right. Now let's get into it. The segment we all love, bet that. All right. We got a more or less segment of bet that and when we're done after the show we all we're going to start posting our images of the bet that segment on social media so that way you can copy that and if you want to use those bets be sure to use them remember we're not a bookie we're not a bet insight we just like to make picks and we like to share them with y'all this is a pick that i actually made all right on one of the sites i use so i'm gonna run through it this week i did more or less right and I did six different categories and just chose if they would do more or less of these. All right. So let's get to it. For the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes passing for over 235 yards. I'm going to take less. All right. It has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes or, or the way he's been playing. But I'm just looking at the history of it. He averages 230 yards passing in his career in the playoffs. In the Super Bowl, the stakes are the highest. Like we are talking about two great defenses, a defense that's seen him before. And in this playoff in particular, he really hasn't went crazy. He hasn't thrown for 280, 290, anything like that. He's been around 230. So that's why I think they put that line at 235. But I'm going to take less. I think this is going to be a time of possession game. I think the Chiefs are going to want to run the ball a lot. And, and Mahomes will do what he's been doing all playoffs making smart plays, not lose the game, and pick his spots. But I think he goes for under 235, all right? George Kittle. Will George Kittle get over 46 and a half receiving yards? I'm saying he gets more, all right? 
opposite of what Mahomes has been, George Kittle has made some noise in the playoffs. In this season particular, he's a first-team All-Pro, tight end, and that's crazy to say with Travis Kelsey still playing football. So Kelsey's having a hell of a year. I mean, Kittle's having a hell of a year. Um, but it's 46 and a half yards. I feel like with the attention you got to pay to Debo Samuel, to Brandon Ayuk, to Christian McCaffrey, I feel like these third downs, you can dump the ball off the Kittle and he can get some yards after catch. That's kind of what the 49ers offense is predicated off of, some yards after catch. I can see Kittle getting 47 yards receiving in this game. So I'm going to say more. All right. The third one. Never really hear us talk about kickers, right? But the Chiefs value their kicker, Harrison Bucker. It's it's crazy because it seems like 20 yarders, Chiefs fans sweat more for those. But when he kicks the 50 yarders, they're like, ah, oh, that's a chip shot. He'll get that. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. But no, Bucker's, Bucker's going to be good. Um, over one and a half field goals made, I think he absolutely makes more. I think he can easily get two field goals. And these are extra points. Uh, these are not extra points or PATs. These are three-point field goals. So I think that Harrison Bucker can make two field goals. So I'm going to go ahead and lean on that for sure. I don't think that'll be a problem. He might do that in the first quarter. And then we get to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised to even see this. To say that Christian McCaffrey was not going to score a touchdown, essentially when you say .5, 0 0.5 rushing or receiving touchdowns, you're basically saying, do you think Christian McCaffrey's going to score? He had a streak of 17 straight games going back to last season scoring a touchdown. He just has a nose for the goal line. I think Christian McCaffrey scores a touchdown. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's breaking news, right? Everybody knows who Christian McCaffrey is. I think he can get a touchdown, all right? That's not saying anybody's going to win or lose a game, but Christian McCaffrey in the end zone is almost a certainty. All right, so I'm going to say more than half, 0.5. And then we got Travis Kelsey. Again, it's crazy. Seven receptions. It doesn't seem like a lot of catches. Seven catches is a lot of catches in a big game, right? And Kelsey, I know he can roll out of bed and catch seven passes. But in the Super Bowl, the 49ers are very aware, and everybody says this, right? You know Kelsey's the number one guy. How the hell does he keep getting catches and touchdowns? But when you got linebackers like Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, they understand that Travis Kelsey can hurt them. This isn't to say that Travis Kelsey won't score a touchdown or Travis Kelsey won't get a lot of yards. This is receptions. I'm going to take less than seven receptions for Kelsey in this game. Now, he can still be effective. He can get five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's a good game. But seven receptions is a lot. That's telling me that Mahomes is going to be dependent on Kelsey. He is going to be looking directly for him to make plays consistently throughout the game. And with those linebackers, I just don't. I think their goal is to take Kelsey away and make the Chiefs beat them with Valdez Scanlon, with Rasheed Rice. Hell, they might need to get Kadarius Toney and... and <laughs> They might need to activate Kadarius Tony at some point. But no, in all seriousness, I feel like uh, the 49ers are very aware. They've played them in the Super Bowl before with these guys. They're very aware of what Kelsey's capable of. 
and they're going to try their hardest to eliminate it. I'm not saying it's an easy task. Kelsey's one of the greats. And uh, but I think he'll have less than seven receptions in this game. And then last but not least, this seems like a gimme. It might not have been before the playoffs, but seeing what this kid has been doing this playoff run, when he gets into trouble, he's he's kind of athletic. I won't even say kind of. He's he's athletic. Seeing Brock Purdy move in the pocket, escape when he needs to, he kind of runs when he needs to, almost like a Patrick Mahomes. Like you don't think Mahomes is very athletic. But when he's running downhill, he he gets there pretty quick. And I saw a lot of that with Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game against Detroit. And so the line here is 12 and a half rushing yards. I think Brock Purdy can get 13 rushing yards in the game. Um, there may be two scrambles, right? It may be a third and third and eight and nobody's open and he's got to get down the field to get a first down. It may be a two-minute warning situation or, or you know what I mean? So two-minute drill situation. I can see him getting 13 yards. So I'm going to take more for Purdy to get 13 yards. And then if you get all those right, depending on how much money you throw down on it, might be a might be a, a nice Super Bowl uh, cash flow for you. So let's recap what we got for this segment, right? For all the viewers, if you can't see it, you can hear it. So Mahomes, we have him throwing for less than 235 yards. We got George Kittle receiving yards over 46 and a half. We got Harrison Bucker going over one and a half field goals made in the game. Then we got Christian McCaffrey getting over 0.5 touchdowns. So he will get at least one. Kelsey, we got him less than seven receptions in this game. And then we got Brock Purdy getting over 12 and a half yards. So we'll see what that is. So field goals. Like we talked about, Harrison Bucker making the field goals. We're not talking about PATs. These are three-point field goals that we will talk about. He will get at least two of those in the game, just to be clear. All right? You guys let me know what you think, if that's a good bet, if we should place it, if we should put some more action on it. But we're going to go with those six picks this weekend. And hopefully, if you guys are making these picks, we all make some money together. All right? So... When we come back, we're going to get into it. The road to the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about who we got winning it all. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are coming right back. All right? Don't go nowhere. Right back. Yo, yo, welcome back for the X Factor Sports Podcast fans. I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, we're having a great time. This is a great show. We got football left and right. This is the episode we've all been waiting for, the Super Bowl special. So we're going to get right into it. The road to Super Bowl 58 and who wins it. All right. So let's start with the Chiefs in the AFC, their road to get to the Super Bowl. This is, if the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, this will be, I think, 
in the Mahomes era, this will be their greatest Super Bowl victory. And the reason I say that is because the road they had to travel throughout the regular season, let's just be honest, this hasn't been their best regular season, right? Since in this Mahomes era, um, the wide receiver situation, the drop passes, um, this is the best defense he's had for sure. I don't think anybody disputes that. But offensively, they haven't really meshed well with, with the guys on the receiving side. But you've seen flashes of it. Like you see Rasheed Rice as a rookie coming into his own. You see Isaiah Pacheco in his second year starting to understand the game, get be more of a patient running back. So those types of things started coming together. Like they, they look like a veteran team that's been there before and like they were building towards something. Andy Reid had them building towards something. So then we get to the playoffs. They end up getting the three seed, so they they don't have home field advantage if they have to play against the Bills or the Ravens, which they did. So they get the Dolphins. They got to go against Tyreek Hill, a former player, former Super Bowl champ with this team at home in the coldest game of the year, right? The Chiefs have to play in this crazy game below zero. I think it was negative 27 on the field, something crazy like that. They have to win this game, right? They were favored to win it, I think, by most people, almost everybody except for the except for Dolphins fans in that weather. So they win that game. And then from there on out, they are underdogs. They're even two-and-a-half-point underdogs in the Super Bowl. So they have to go to Buffalo, and they're underdogs there. And I'll be honest with you, I did not pick the Chiefs to go this far. I had the Chiefs losing to Buffalo because of these factors just the type of year they had been having and going up to buffalo buffalo had been waiting for this opportunity for years to get this seed higher than the chiefs to play them in a home playoff game and i learned something about the chiefs and maybe it was right it was hiding in plain sight so to speak right the championship medal and the experience that this team has that they showed in these last two games was very evident, especially in Buffalo, right? The Bills moved the ball. They did everything they wanted to do the first three quarters. And then the Chiefs just said, enough. Y'all ain't scoring no more points. <laughs> like the Chiefs took the lead 24-20 in the fourth quarter. And that was like, y'all done. Forced a team that was moving the ball at will the whole game to punt three straight times, miss field goal. The defense rose to the occasion after so many times in the Patrick Mahomes era, the team had to look to Mahomes in the offense and say, win this game for us. It was a time where the defense, where the offense had to look to the defense and say, win this game for us, shut this down. And they were able to do it. And the Chiefs move on. They beat Buffalo, and then now they have to go see the best team, record-wise, in the Baltimore Ravens, in Baltimore. And again, I'm thinking Lamar's got the best offense he's ever had. He's an MVP. Like, they firing on all cylinders. I don't know if the Chiefs can do it. But then we see another, we see a different type of Patrick Mahomes. This is the Mahomes that is a mature veteran champion Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs did something different to the Ravens than what they did to the Bills. They made the Ravens lose their identity in that game. 
and we've all seen the game. We've probably all seen highlights of it already. The Chiefs come out, boom, boom, first two drives, score. They're up 14-0. The Ravens are the best running team in football. They completely abandoned who they were in the run game, right? Because of, because of the fear that the Chiefs imposes you with Patrick Mahomes. When you got 15 on the other side of the field, it's like, damn, they up two touchdowns. Like, we have to do something to catch up. And the Ravens completely abandoned who they were. And they had Lamar Jackson throwing 20, 30-yard bombs on first down. It's like, this ain't this ain't who y'all are. This is not how y'all became the number one seed. And completely took them out of character and imposed their will on the Ravens to get to another Super Bowl. So it was just interesting to see how the Chiefs were going to get back to the Super Bowl after being underdogs, having a mediocre regular season to their standards. And the way they did it was with championship experience. And it's crazy to see. And here we are. They're in Super Bowl 58. And now we got the 49ers. Their role was a little different. They had been to the Super Bowl four years prior, five years prior in 2019, with a different quarterback. But a lot of these are the same guys that played the Chiefs the first time. When they played the Chiefs the first time, I feel like the Chiefs had arguably their best offense in the Mahomes era. And now they're going up against the Chiefs' best defense in the Mahomes era. But the 49ers got to this place a little bit different. They were dominant all regular season. Anytime Debo Samuel and Trent Williams played in a football game, they won, except when the Ravens smacked them around. They looked like a complete team up and down. There was no doubt that the 49ers were going to get to this game. If you watch before the playoffs, we picked the 49ers versus Ravens in the Super Bowl. So there was no doubt on the X Factor Sports podcast of who was going to represent the NFC. And so here they are. But the games they played in the playoffs looked different in a negative way than they did in the regular season, kind of opposite of what the Chiefs look like. The Chiefs look like they're playing their best football at the right time. And the 49ers look nervous almost, like they've had two come-from-behind wins against Green Bay, who's a seven seed. I don't know if it was a matchup thing, but they had to come from behind to beat Green Bay, which they did, obviously. Brock Purdy kind of had to show his medal that he can come from behind and win big games when they matter. And then we get into the Detroit game, and Detroit's smacking them, right? This game is 24-7 to early. So it's like, uh-oh, what are the 49ers going to do? And their defense, like the Chiefs, just said enough. And they start shutting down this high-powered offense of Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions, and this defense kind of woke up, I think, in that game. They had looked like they weren't the same defense a few weeks prior, and it's like that second half woke them up, and they looked like the defense that everybody had been bragging about for the 49ers. And then Brock Purdy, you know, put his finishing touches on it, played a great second half, and they win. But I say it's different how they got to the Super Bowl is because they were expected to go based off their regular season. And then when they got in the playoffs, it was some adversity. And they still got there. The Chiefs didn't look like a Super Bowl champion. 
they looked like they had a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. Not as bad as the Eagles. They weren't, you know, they weren't falling apart, but they just looked like it was something missing. The magic wasn't there. And then they get to the playoffs and they look like, to use a basketball reference, they look like the Spurs, man. Like the Spurs back when they had Duncan, Ginobili, Tony Parker, like they would just um, go through the regular season and kind of build towards getting in form for the playoffs. And then when the playoffs came, you knew what time it was. That's what this Chiefs team looks like. They look like a savvy veteran team that's been here for years. They look like what the Patriots used to look like back in the day. You know, Brady, No, everybody thought Brady didn't have enough wide receivers to throw the ball to. Judy and Edelman's too small. And then sure enough, they're playing again in February. So we're getting a sense of that. It's like this is building towards something for the Kansas City Chiefs. And with all that being said, who do we think is going to win this game? With both of these teams getting here, right? A rematch from a few years ago. Chiefs having great defense. 49ers have a consistently great defense. We got two great offensive-minded coaches. We got great offensive weapons on both ends, on both sides. It's crazy to think who will win this game. But the X Factor Sports Podcast, we are going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs winning Super Bowl 58. All right? I think they win, and finally, we can call them a dynasty. All right? I've been on edge with this for years. I'm like, are they a dynasty? They've been going to AFC Championship games. Yeah, let's see it happen back-to-back. I think the Kansas City Chiefs win this game. They go back-to-back for the first time in 20 years, three out of five, and they can officially be called the next NFL dynasty, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they win this game. It ain't going to be easy. I think this will be a tough, hard-fought game. I think the first quarter, both of these teams will be trying to figure each other out. They'll be trying to not make any mistakes. So that's why I say Harrison Bucker is definitely going to get two field goals. He might get them in the first quarter. I think this is going to be a possession game. Nobody's going to try to get overzealous. They're going to take the points. They're going to take what the defenses give them. I think they play a smart football game. But I think the fourth quarter, when it comes to winning time, if I'm going with winning time in a close game, I have to take Andy Reid Mahomes over Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. So I feel like unless there's some turnovers, some crazy plays happen, I don't think the Chiefs lose this game. If if Mahomes plays with the same formula he's been playing with this entire playoff, playing not to lose or, you know, playing smart football, not losing the game, not turning the ball over, not making silly plays, I think it's tough to beat a team like that with the confidence. They've been there before. They understand the pace of the game. They understand that halftime is going to be longer than normal games will be. So all those little subtle nuances, I think they have the edge. And I think they're chasing history. And when you have a team that's been through the adversity they've been through this season and through these playoffs, and they're well away from history, I'm a big fan of history happening, seeing it. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs make history. So... With these struggles, I think that they win the Super Bowl 27 to 23. I think we get a late fourth quarter touchdown by the Chiefs. 
being down 23-20. I think they score a fourth-quarter TD and win this game, and the defense closes the door. So I'm going to say it like that. So for those who are paying attention, all playoff long, I know. I've been saying, man, the Chiefs ain't going to win the division around. The Chiefs ain't going to win the AFC championship. But with new information comes new analysis, right? And like I said, they've just shown so much in this playoff, a different type of team with championship medal. And the, the goal of being a legit dynasty is right in their grasp. I just think they seize the moment. I don't think they run from it. And it's just a perfect way to book in the dynasty, the start of the dynasty by beating the 49ers and to stamp yourself in history by beating the 49ers. I think it happens in a stadium that they're familiar with, nonetheless, it's in Vegas. That's like Kansas City West. I don't think they lose games there. They play, they're going to play more playoff games there on Sunday than the Raiders have already. So <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a bunch of 49er fans there because obviously it's only like four hours away, five hours. And if you watched any of the pregame festivities, anytime the Chiefs got on the podium, they got booed left and right because all the 49ers fans are already there. But I don't think that matters. I think this team has been through the fire, and I think they're going to come out a dynasty. So that's my take on it. You guys let me know what you think. Who do you have winning Super Bowl 58? The X Factor Sports Podcast is choosing the Kansas City Chiefs, 27 to 23. Y'all let me know what y'all think, all right? When we come back, we will get into our two-minute warning. It's going to be a special one. It kind of segues off of what we just talked about, so you don't want to miss it. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And then you can always catch the audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and now Pandora and Samsung Podcasts. So thank you guys for tuning in. We got our two-minute warning. We're going to segue off of our pick in our NFL analysis in Super Bowl 58 and talk about being in the moment, right? This is this is the moment. So even in life, when you have these moments, both of these teams are fortunate to be in the Super Bowl. And what they went through, they earned it, but they're fortunate to be there. They are not promised to ever come back. So I think there's going to be an appreciation from both teams the Chiefs with the appreciation of look at what we've built and what we've done over this last five years, six year run. And for the 49ers, it's going to be, man, we we didn't know we were going to get back here. Like there could have been a 
there could have been the possibility of us not getting back. For those who played on the team in 2019 to be back in 2024 are going to appreciate the moment for what it is for being back. And they're going to want to seize it as well. So with the 49ers, just the history of the franchise, if they win the Super Bowl, it'll be the first Super Bowl they won in 30 years. They haven't won since Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters. They blew out the Chargers back in the day. So this is something special for their franchise to get back a Super Bowl and get their sixth Super Bowl to match the Steelers and the Patriots and then the Chiefs to be cemented in history as a dynasty. So the moment is there, right? Andy Reid's getting up there in age. There's a lot of retirement talk swirling around him. Travis Kelsey's flirted with the idea of retirement. So it's hard to get to a place of happiness in sports. So when you get to that place and in life, when you get to that place, you have to be in the moment. Stop and smell the roses, seize the opportunity, all the cliches, right? Being in the moment. Every time I do an episode of the X Factor Sports Podcast, I'm present. This is where I am. And I'm always trying to be present in my marriage, at work, in this podcast. You always want to be in the moment and be present because you don't know when it'll come back. You don't know if you'll get that moment back. So you have to enjoy all of those and then it's cool to sit back and reflect on them and enjoy that. Enjoy the process of whatever it is you're doing, right? That's what makes, that's the beauty in in that process. Don't take these times for granted. You always want to appreciate the times, good and bad, because you can learn from those bad ones, right? We only get one life. So you don't want to waste it wondering what could have been. You know, when I started this podcast, it was a idea and it's something I wanted to do for years. And it was just like, I'm just going to take the leap. The first two episodes, three episodes, they're not going to sound the best. The quality is not going to look great. You know, all that stuff. But if you don't start something and just go for it, you're going to wonder what if. So you have to be in the moment and look at where we are now. Right? So that's what you want to do. When you have a moment in your life that's worth enjoying, be it a birth of a child, your team winning a Super Bowl or NBA championship or World Series, any type of success in life. Don't forget to be in the moment and enjoy it, all right? And that moment will be yours for all time, all right? I appreciate you guys for tuning in to the X-Factor Sports Podcast, episode nine of season three, the Super Bowl special. Thank you guys to everybody that tuned in. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and follow so you can catch all the episodes every week. Next week, we got another great episode. It's episode X, episode 10, baby. We got All-Star Weekend. We'll talk about who wins, East versus West. Will Caitlin Clark break the record? And then we got baseball around the corner. Kershaw and Altuve stay home. We'll get into all of that next week on the X Factor Sports Podcast. Peace.